episode 13 for me um, awesome. kitchen table and then uh when i put out a post uh, a poll on the facebook and instagram of these different categories of what the guys wanted to talk about this week it was training senior man staffing mindset hazmat all this and between both polls training one out yeah not, not, not heavily it, there was actually really close on uh on the Instagram poll is actually tied between training and the senior man. And on the Facebook poll, it was like training and tactics. So okay. I picked uh training out of it. And then, uh, shit, not, not maybe 10 minutes afterwards, you sent me a text message and said, Hey man, let's do a collab on this. Cause yeah, yeah. You know, I've got some things that y'all can add into this. And then at least four other guys, some from our department, some from outside were like, Hey, when are y'all going to record? Uh, we want to get in. We want to, we want to, put our two cents in on the training aspect of it too. So I told them that this is probably going to be just one episode of many, because I don't think you can cover the topic of training in an hour. No, it is about training and training. I'll get you guys perspective on it. Training is like one of those words I've talked about in my other episodes. It's kind of like, um, like motivation, right? It's like the word brotherhood. It's one of these that we use, randomly and openly and it's almost vague to a point like i train i just i shit you not i had this conversation with a guy from a department outside of ours up towards the san antonio area and uh, he sent me a message after he saw the poll he was like hey man if you just do it on training training covers everything and i was like well i said i don't disagree with you brother training covers everything i said but the word training like what and i asked him so what do you train on I train on everything. I was like, well, what's that's everything? Kind of vague, man. I mean, you know, that whole we're uh, jack of all trades, but masters of none. Mm-hmm. Like, that's that's a cool saying. Like, it makes a great sticker and everything. But really, in my opinion, it's like, that's kind of shitty. It's not adequate. Yeah, it's yeah. not. It's like, yeah, I can be, I'm, I'm okay. I'm average at everything. Right. But I'm good at nothing. It's it's funny you say that because I was, I was literally just talking to uh, my fiance about that yesterday. And we were, we were talking about this person that I know. And I said, man, they dabble in everything. And I brought that exact quote up. And it's because they claim to do this. They claim to do that. They claim to do the other. But they're not really good at anything. They just dabbled in everything. Yeah. Right? So, yeah, I can totally see where. And you know, I, I, I'll ask both of y'all, y'all's perspective. This I understand that mindset in the fire service that we're in today because we're in all hazards, right? We, we respond to everything. everything. So you got to train on everything. You, you've got to be average to good at everything. There's so many disciplines now. But right? there's so many so different, yeah, from, from right. wildland to high rise to boat rescue to hazmat. I mean, and everybody does everything. There's there's no more of that. Well, I, you know, I don't do boat rescue. Well, you do today when you're at the boat rescue station. Right. You, right. You, 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 do, you do high rise when you're at station one, you know, so, but I think in my opinion, I want y'all's opinion, is that sometimes, and I'm not I'm in fire service in general, we tend to forget that like a pumper, a pumper has certain tasks that these guys are supposed to be super good at. Right. Like, I mean, bread and butter, right? But yeah, sometimes I'll see crews that are on a pumper training on truck work, which is, they, you've got to be able to do it all, right? But I'm like, but then I see the truck geese doing pumper work. You know what I mean? I'm like, yeah. Hey, are, are you actually training on what your specific, like, like me, I hazmat truck, right? I don't, I don't train on pulling hose very often. Mm-hmm. I don't do that. I mean, I say not very often because I do get out there and pull hose every now and then, but 
I sometimes think that these guys forget because we all are all hazards that, hey, we just got to cover everything. And we hit, I just had the conversation. yesterday. I was like, man, just because you trained on something yesterday and you don't train on it for eight months, is that, is that training? Is that adequate training? Right. Right. You know, I saw the, the thing that you did where y'all were bailing out the window, which was badass. That yeah. Was, Shout um, out to Josh Crow for, uh, bringing that knowledge to our, that was, our team. Um, the last time I did something like that was when I, I can't remember if you were still chief or you were a captain's at threes and we did it at Del Mar. Yeah. And then we had all the safety hookups and everything yeah. like that. We went out the second story window, but that's the last time I could remember doing that. Right. So, so, you know, what you're describing is like the concept of division of labor, right? And so these different tasks that, you know, we say, Hey, you're going to be really good at this. And so what, what I see, um, I'll just give some input real quick is what I've seen is that a lot of people like to like train on the sexy stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and we could say that those bailout drills are a little more sexy. Sure. Like yeah. Pulling the handline. Right? Yeah. But those, and, and, and it's important because those are like, that's the highest risk when you're bailing out of a window, you know, whatever the case may be. But it's like, what happens like more often, right? We're going to pull hose more often than not. So like, we got to make sure that we can do those yeah. skills. Well, I think, I think the hard part about that, though, is it gets to a point with the evolution of, of the of the profession that, yeah, pulling hose used to be an art form, right? Like, you used to have to know how to pull a triple A. How many times have you seen guys pull a flat load and end up in the spaghetti bowl right next to the oh, truck, right? Yeah. But, but the issue now is what have we invented, or, or not invented, but what's been brought to the department or or the the fire services is now we got Cleveland loads, right? Yeah. So how many times have you actually seen somebody fuck up a Cleveland load? Now I, I know it can happen and it does happen, but it, my point is that um some of those things are you know, and this is just a personal opinion. I, I don't I think one if you touch on those things every so often, then you don't really need to um uh, uh drill it as hard as maybe some of the other other things like every day every shift type thing yeah yeah you know because i mean let's face it like cleveland load, you pull it down as long as you empty that bed which in our in our case uh you know our driver does that he he empties the, the other 100 feet that's that's in the bed and and flakes it out for us meanwhile <clears throat> you know nozzle guy goes drops it uh you know uh, unstraps the velcro and then uh pulls the nozzle out and gives the driver the okay so it's kind of hard to fuck it's that up cool. is what i'm saying but oh, I've seen it messed up you, plenty of times. I mean, that, it, that's that's the whole that's the dilemma is that we say, oh, that's something that's easy, and now it's like it's it's you're taking what you're taking out of it is the anxiousness of like a fight. Like we're talking about earlier with certain people that get worked up. Sure, and when that happens, man, bad things happen. But oh, you think, we had every. But do you think that it, it fucked up because of the way they pulled it, or do you think it's because of the way it was I, rolled? I, I don't care. But the fact is that at the fire, it's fucked up, and that, right. that's a problem, right? But, but when so, you talk about training and pulling the hose. That's what I'm saying. Like when you yeah. talk about training and pulling the line properly, well, if it's, and, and this goes to kind of another topic because it's like, well, are you ready? Like, did you check out your truck yeah. in the morning? Well, did you yeah. check out the yeah. Cleveland load? And does it look like shit? Does just it ignore it? Yeah. And then all of a sudden. We ran into that problem many times. Yeah, plenty of times. Not yeah. checking out. But it was interesting when you were describing, and you probably don't even notice that you said it, right? Because you said, hey, we don't fuck up pulling the Cleveland hose because my driver empties the bed and the nozzle man knows what to do with it. So as I'm listening to you, like, okay, so that crew trains together. Now you take yourself and three other, because you have a four-man crew, certainly, right? Well, and three other people that you don't know from different stations, different shifts, and ask them to do it. And it should run flawlessly in, in, a, in a perfect world, right? The driver should empty the bed and the nozzle man should take it. He should know that he has to go 200 yards that way 
before he comes back this you know he should know that but i promise you i mean i've seen it a hundred times you get these guys together and they're like well i i don't empty the bed on my shift and yeah so now the cleveland role like you're allowing the driver to do it yeah. it's another crew that is so well so. And, and so i can only speak personally for my crew and, and myself um anytime i work with somebody that uh is is a driver um that isn't our driver or anytime that I'm driving have that and I have that discussion beforehand. I mean, that should be, and it's it's funny because, you know, we are one of the, the services out there, the professions, I should say, where we do the same job every day, but there's always a different player in our team. In the role. Right? Yeah. In your team. So you get comfortable with your team, but then if somebody's out or you got two guys out and you get two new guys, one's a brand new guy and one's a 30-year vet, you know, it changes up the dynamic. So that's where you have to really uh, emphasize, you know, sitting down, talking. We, sh- we should do roll call. I mean, unfortunately, yeah. I've seen it plenty of times. A lot of people don't do roll call. Roll calls for a reason. You know, roll calls for a reason. Randy uh, at my station, you know, he's really big on, my captain's really big on, on roll call, roll call. No matter what, like, I don't care if you're in the middle of checking out the trucks, we got to come down, we got to sit, we're going to talk and we're going to, figure out what we got going on for the day. And I think that's a great thing because it gives everybody an opportunity to address, number one, who's there, what role they have. And then as the team, you should be able to decide like who who's doing what. Sure. Right? I mean, that's, that is awesome. I don't know if it happens across the board. Like, Probably not. That's not a, that's not a standard that I don't, I don't think that is, I mean, it's awesome. And I bet you it happens more times than I know, but. I mean, I've been to other places and I'm like, roll call is like, hey, we're going to sit, drink coffee. Or how many times have you heard, you know, you're on these units and we'll just figure it out when we get there. Oh, yeah. yeah. That shouldn't be like like what Roger's describing is like have a game plan and have something already pre-established. Now, it's not, I can promise you, I've never went to the perfect fire yet. No. I mean, it's it's not going to work out. But if you have had those discussions and you've trained together and, you know, you, 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 you have a game plan. Yeah. Well, then. When those hiccups come, which they're going to come, you'll be able to just so, do them. Tony, I'm, I'm so glad, I mean, that you're actually here because I get to pick your brain. Because I, I worked with you at 10 mm-hmm. when you were a driver. It's and, kind of a reunion right here. A little right? bit, yeah. I mean, it is. Yeah. <laughs> Station 10 memory. Right? Oh, yeah. um, well, I didn't send y'all an agenda, and I apologize. But yeah. when That's I knew okay. we were going to do this, you know, I jotted down some notes and some things, and... One of the things I came across was the saying that says 80% of all fire ground decisions are made off of past experiences. Mm-hmm. Right. And then when I read that, it was something that after actually Chief Quintero told me many, many years ago. He's like, We I mean, we make decisions based on templates that we mm-hmm. we make in our life, right? You you get this incident, you deal with it, and you've created a template of how it worked out. So that the next time that you come up to something similar, you're not actually making split second decisions you're quickly going through your rolodex of oh this fits that template this is how i handled it last time is that from a from a chief's perspective yes. incident commander is that how it kind of works yeah and you've probably read about it in the promotional books you know rational decision making yeah and, you know the inner inner uh there's another one that's recognition uh, some recognition prime, prime recognition, recognition yeah. uh, decision making and um, so, yes, that recognition, you're, you know, you recognize a scenario, you recognize what the outcome was, and then you plug your new scenario into that scenario and, and you assume that it's going to be the same outcome. Sometimes it's not, yeah. but it just puts you down that path, you know, so that you can 
Uh, and that's it's 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 called experience, right? Right. So right. That's, that's what it is. Like, and so that's why you see, you know, people that are successful a lot of times are people that were at busy places, right? Because they've seen a lot. Yeah. Had a lot of those uh, templates that you described. So that they, they it's like I've seen this before. You know, this is how it works out. Or I saw this before, and we didn't have a good outcome. So I want to make sure I don't do right, that. Right. You that's know? A, a and so it works both learn. ways. You know. Yeah. Uh, but no, it's it, it it really is how how it works in it. Um, so you, you, I mean, it's cool. Cause you, you said the exact word that I wrote down here. Cause so if it's, if it's experience and we, I think we can all agree that we probably don't make as many fires or right. as many major incidences that we did. I remember when us three were at tens, mm-hmm. a three fire shift was like, I don't oh, know, yeah. Yeah. you know, and it was still one, kind of like once a every, two fire shift. once every other month. Yeah. Right. Something like that. But now, you know, if you catch one a month, two a month, like you, Maybe. Which goes back to my point about pulling a hose line, you know, because it's like, how often do you get to pull a hose line? Because not only is it that one a month fire, but then you have to be first in. Yes. You're going to pull that hose. So how often are you putting it to the test? You know? Yeah. Right. And yeah. that is, I mean, and I have to, I have to hand it to B-Shift and you probably um, were part of this. I don't know. It depends if you had someone that, that day that was new. The first day that their new cadets got turned to duty, probationary firefighters, they called every one of them to station 18 to pull a hand line. And in, in, in bunkers, like, this is your fire. You showed up. It's your first day. This is your first fire. Go. Yes. And they made them do it. And that's that's awesome because um, they may not pull a hose for... How many times have you had, like, the new guys, like, I haven't had a fire yet. Like, yes. I'm just waiting yes. for that. Six months, a year. Like, he hasn't had that. Well, he may have been to fires, but yeah. not first in, pulled the hose, the, the, the adrenaline going. I yeah. mean, that's what it is. You yeah. know? And, and well, well even, even more so with that, like he said, he's talking about the first guy, right? What, what I tend to see in the department is the vets. Sure. You know, it's, it's, because these are perishable. Skills. They're, I don't, Everything. I don't think that there's anything that we do that should not be done um, in, in a training fashion or a practice fashion um, and repeated, uh, whether it's tying a ball. You'd be surprised how many guys, uh, and, and I, I raised my hand to this. Like I would say it was probably like four years ago. I just had this epiphany and I was like going to do knots. And, and one of my captains at the time was like, Oh, you've been in for 10 years and now you decided to practice your knots. And I'm like, well, yeah, like it's better now than never. Too late. <laughs> you know, I mean, I fucked up for all those. I've neglected it. And obviously I hadn't been pushed to do that. Right. So I'm taking it upon myself to do it. And, you know, it's it's that that mindset of oh I've done it before well yeah you've done it before but when shit hits the fan and you got somebody hanging out a window or you need to cut a hole and the chainsaw is not starting because you forgot to 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 hit the choke or you know whatever the case like you that's why even the littlest things can be considered training right when was the last time you closed your eyes and tried to work your passive ice like when was the last time you um, tried to yeah. start um, you know a chainsaw up with you or, used a, a term outside when we were working out, well, micro... Uh, micro-training opportunities. Micro-training opportunities, right? yeah. Micro-training. So at, at our station, it, it, you know, Randy's real good, um, you know, because I have aspirations of being a captain. And what's kind of cool here is, you know, you're a captain, and I got Tony, who's a chief, and then I'm, you know, a firefighter too. So we've got three different uh, roles, three different responsibilities in, in the, the department hierarchy here. But, you know, in, in my situation, I've got a captain that allows me to kind of uh, preemptively start um, trainings, you know? And so 
I, I take a micro training session. Now we've been talking about fire, right? But what else do we do? We're paramedics. When was the last time that well, some yes. of our guys, well, especially kids, right? Especially doses with kids. So here's the thing, like when was the last time? And this is what I do now. I, 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 I tell my rookies all the time or my cadets, both. I sit them down and I talk to them because the most high stress situation is going to be a pediatric call. Sure. Right. That's the scariest. That's the most, that's the one that's going to leave the, the mark on you. So I go over what I call the three worst cases, right? You're doing your CPR. So I go over the drugs that we're going to give for CPR. I go over your anaphylaxis and then I go over uh, your seizure calls. Those are the three calls that you're going to push IV uh, medications for. And so if I at least jog their memory before that shift, then I not only am I jogging their memory by going through it, I'm practicing myself yeah. and going over the doses and, in my own head. So that's kind of how I use the micro yeah. training in an everyday situation where it might be 20 minutes. But to me, that's you asked earlier, like, what is training? Well, to me, that's training. Absolutely. You know? yeah. The nice thing about that is that that's like, how long does it take you to do that? You know, that's what right. I Yeah. In the morning. But, but where I'm going with that is like, a lot of people get hung up on like training needs to be an eight hour course. No. Of just like an, uh, 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 you know, like a objectives. Give me and a lesson to, plan. Lesson plan. Exactly. That's what I was going with that. Yeah. It's like, dude, it could be informal. Like yeah, these totally. conversations, they're so like, they're so worthwhile because uh, not everyone's doing them. So you take the time to do that something resonates with that person they make that call later that day they make that call next shift and they're like man i just went over this like it's just a, kind of like that confidence of like i can handle that's it. what's really cool about those little videos that y'all put out like, yeah it's you the videos aren't like a how-to it, but it, it is a makes you think it makes it you makes think you, it's yeah. a conversation starter it's a discussion point like hey guys man did you see this video what they're doing even if they pick up the phone and say hey roger can you show us how to do that or whatever, you know, oh, but yeah. it's a conversation starter of like, Hey, well, you know what? We haven't done that. Like I said, I hadn't seen that done in years and I'm not going to go do it, but, um, <laughs> why not? Don't be scared. <laughs> Don't be I got mirrors and stuff to mess with, bro. <laughs> yeah. You're not going to be, you're not going to be going in that window most likely. But, but, but that's a, the other thing too about equipment that we carry as a whole nother episode, right? But like, Hey, are you carrying webbing? You know, it's like, they already yeah. showed you like, I carry this piece. Like, yeah. so that's a conversation starter too. How many feet is your weapon? Is it in a loop? Is it tied? Or you just leave it in a bubble? Are you going to be able to tie a water knot with gloves on? Like, yeah. like, are you going to be able to make a loop with it? It's like all those things, you know, girth hitching to an extremity, girth hitching to the, I, to the pack. It's like, is that something you can do with gloves on I, and limited visibility? Like, you I know, we gotta, we gotta talk about those things. Cause when people, whenever, whenever someone moves my gear, they grab my, my boots and my pants and they're like, Holy what do you have in here? Shit. What uh, do you have I get the in same there? Thing. I get the same and I come from the same school yeah, that you came from. I had a cabin that said, you're not going back to the truck to go get the, yeah. the, the, the screwdriver, the pliers, pliers, the wrenches, the webbing, webbing the, the multimeter. I, I yep. mean, there is nothing I don't have in my bunker yeah. pants and I don't ever need it right until I need it. Until but need man, they low grab my pants. And they're like, that's like, gotta worry 35, 40 pounds. And I'm like, yeah, but I never have to go back. But to I also truck. always like being the guy where they're like, we got everything out except the seatbelt, and like no one there has an eye. Like, here you go. Here you, you go. Know, I got oh, come the back. Here you go. That's, you know, I always had everything. You know? Everyone's always, hey, you got trauma shoes? I said, no, but I got like three knives on me. Yeah. In my yeah, bunker pants. Good. I'll cut something. Yeah. But so going back to the training, and I want to say this because Tony brought it up, like, because you described some micro training, right? But, and I, and I chuckle again because 
or, or all three on social media in some, some form or fashion, right? And I see the sexy stuff, right? I yeah, see guys yeah. with a, you know, new way of advancing a hose line, whipping it around and yes. putting this out and all this. And I've never once seen, I've never seen any MES training on social media, not one. And we do that 80% of the time. Yeah. I've never seen hydro hookups. I've never seen, oh, yeah. you know, up? yeah, I, I've never, I've, I've never really actually seen the actual pulling of the hose from the bed to the door, right? You see the sexy stuff and it looks cool and it makes for a great little montage when you put it to cool ass music. And I, I, I fear that younger guys see that and think that's training. That's what I want to do. And then half the time I'm watching it and, and you said it, Tony, I see them, they're in their bunker pants and a t-shirt and like, oh, yeah. like, so is this realistic training or is this just we're just going through reps right and and i think that there's a place for both right obviously if it's 100 degrees outside so like the other day um i i practice and i personally feel that every fighter fighter uh firefighter should be able to deploy a 24 foot aluminum ladder by themselves right i'm gonna bring this up to you but go ahead so so what i do do i get the 24 footer and make the guy wear bunker gear right away no i took the cadet outside and we got the roof ladder and I just had him practice the movement with work gloves on and, uh, of course, a helmet, but in his, his class B uniform. Sure. Um, because why am I going to, you know, it, it's it's I'm one thing about training. I think we do as vets is we we go in there sometimes and we try to make the rookies know where their place is. And so we go in there and we almost set the the odds up against them to fail well if this kid if i can do the movement of slinging that thing to my shoulder in one try and then he goes and he you know he's never done it before he's he's gonna get demoralized it's it's that's just me being an asshole right that's an old school way it it is is. don't get me wrong don't get me wrong i think there's a place to beat him down because i i one of the jokes i have is like a cadet will walk up to me to shake my hand and I say, I don't shake cadets' hands. And then I just walk off. And they're just like left there with their hand out. And, you know, for you guys that don't know, I mean, I'm all tattooed. I'm 6'3 and I'm ugly. So it's probably a little intimidating for them to walk oh, in the station. But I, afterwards, I was, hey, man, I was just fucking with you. you know, Break them down to build them up. To build them okay. up, exactly. But, but you know, we, we, <laughs> I know I still get, I still, I can't stop laughing. It's hard to keep a straight you face. You were never treated like that, by the way. No, never. Not not at station ten. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> but but you know, like I was saying about the ladder, it's it's like, well, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna train on a lower level first to like get baby them steps. baby steps. Like, yeah. Especially when it comes to something that could potentially get them hurt. I'm not trying to have them throw their back out the first time they do it, you know. And I I, I think the word, uh, at least that's what I've used, they describe exactly what you're saying is it's progressive training, right? Right. You, you crawl, walk, run. Like yes. you, you don't just say, here's the 24 foot sprint and throw it up there. But you progressively show them the technique. Kind of like y'all did to me out there with that one movement that I'd never done. You're like, oh, hey, yeah, lower yeah. the weight, learn the movement first, and then you can go from there. Same thing with that. It's, it's progressive training. You got to build yourself up to it. But eventually you got to get to a point to where because we don't get the experience, which is where we build our templates from, mm-hmm. you've got to put yourself in the real... And I say the real situation, but as real as we can, because most of our training is done without a burning building. And that's where the stress comes. And it's hard to add that, artificially add that stress. You can do it with time. You know, you make it like, do it faster. But then also at the same time, you you might sacrifice 
safety. So it's it, that's the challenge of it making is. training well, realistic. And, right? and where I've seen people fuck up with that is, like Tony said, they take that mindset of like, well, we can't. It's not going to be real. You're not going to do it out there like that. So why even waste the time doing it? So my thing is like, well, at least if you sit down and do a table talk, right? And and you're just sitting and, and you're talking about, or you pull up a a fire and you're you're doing. Um, you know, your, your, um, on scene size ups, uh, you know, with just still practicing, still photos, yeah. practicing, yeah. like at least you're going to have, so we don't all have the opportunity. Like we used to as much to, to make as many fires. Well, so what are we going to do? We're just not going to talk about it. We're not going to practice it. Unfortunately, some do, right. Some they, that's what they do. They just take that, that stance. But instead of doing that, yes, now the stresses are going to be involved when we have the real thing. But at least if we sat down and we've seen what a fire looks like on a two-story coming in the alpha side, black smoke, you know, you know it's it, it's turbulent, you know, you know, you start to have those conversations, have yeah, those conversations so that it it it's clicking. The other thing I think is I mean, when you talk about training, I don't always think it has to be a physical thing. You know, earlier you were talking about um, you know, how do you determine what's training, what is training, what isn't training. I think sometimes Training more often than not, I think can be, doesn't need any physicality to it. I think you can literally sit there and talk a, about a lot of different scenarios, do a lot of different things um, without necessarily, you know, getting out there, putting full bunkers in it on and, and, and going at it. I mean, we live in South Texas, right? Yeah. We're going to kill our guys. Like, unless you're taking it upon yourself to take your bunker gear home and do workouts in this heat. I mean, it, it, that's one of the worst things but, you can do at work, I, right? I'm not disagreeing with you, but I've heard you use the word like, we do live in South Texas. This is, we've got nine months of summer and three months of winter yeah. or whatever, right? Like, and I've heard you say it, like, you, you have to get acclimated to the environment that yeah. you work in. So, it's, so, I mean, I do agree, like, this right here, can you, we can call it training because we're discussing stuff, right? We're, we're starting the conversations and we'll go back and talk to other people about stuff we talked about. But at some point, we, we have yes. to, right? I mean, yeah. because I can, I mean, I, we just made a, a fire about a month ago at this old hotel and it must have been 105 degrees outside. And I, I said, I don't pull hose. I was on the end of a two and a half with just me mm-hmm. and my driver. And I shit you not, within 15 minutes, oh, you're tanked. I was. And I, it doesn't take a whole lot, but Travis is a well put together guy. We were we were gassed, and it wasn't the physicality of. I mean, it was somewhat of moving the two and a half back and forth and all this stuff, but it was just the heat. The heat, exactly. And so, like even at my station, I try and train outside as much as I can. Yeah, as much as I can. Of course, I don't go overboard, but but I think getting acclimated to the environment. I mean, just like if we were up north. And these guys, they fight fire. I've seen these pictures of these guys. They go out to these fires and fucking icicles are coming off. Yeah, the hundreds under snow. I mean, I imagine that at that. some point they've got to go out there and be like, hey, guys, we've got to go also pull hose in the three feet of snow. We just, because we're going to do it. Right. You know, so I, I agree with you that you can't, we can't kill them. We can't kill our guys. But, but you need to do but it. But we got to do some of it yeah. out there and that I, stuff. I think it, it, you know, in general, I think life is all about balance, and I carry that over to the fire department. I think that you have to give your guys, um, you know, you have to you have to give your guys an opportunity to train. You also have to give them an opportunity to kind of like sit back and, and know, like, okay, we 
we've we've done a little too much today. Let's let's not drive drive our guys into the yeah. ground before we get that two oh. alarm burner. You know, yeah. so so I, I definitely think it, it's it's all about just um, dichotomy. Uh, yeah, so yeah. As Jocko would say a dichotomy. A <laughs> and I think what you're what he's describing is that it doesn't have to be. I, so I, I'm hearing both of what you're saying, and, and it makes a lot of sense, right? It's like uh, you can do tabletops. You do need to expose yourself to the, as well, and but not every one of them. Again, like I said earlier, like not every training needs to be an eight-hour training session that has a lesson plan. These are the objectives we're going to make because I think that's what people get hung up on. And I've yeah. heard it much too, like. The fire department doesn't have a training department, you know. It's like, man, they've got other stuff going on. They're not necessarily they do put out stuff for yeah. us, but it's not like you guys remember they used to actually have drills for us. And it's like, you know, those are every once in a while. Like right now, as we speak, they're doing a huge hazmat drill with CST, and guess what? They're gonna get in all their gear, everything is gonna yeah. be all out. We don't have to do that every day. Right, right. You know, we do that Absolutely. once a year. Absolutely. You know, we've prepped for it, we're prepared for it, we've talked about it, we did a brief yesterday. You know, you guys are doing classroom. We're doing another one on Thursday, yeah. and it's going to be a full out exercise, full scale. Right. You can't do that every shift. You can't do that every shift, yeah. right? So um, it's important to do them, but we're getting that. We're exposing ourselves to the heat in a yeah. level A or whatever PPE we decide to use, okay. right? Okay. And 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 so we get both. Yeah, yeah. That so is. that's important. I think the problem is that people are just. I'm gonna get off on a tangent here, but I'm gonna get in trouble. Lonnie's gonna have to edit all this shit out. Oh. You're, you're, you're doing the You leave what I, you want in. I'm just saying, man. I think people are a bunch of pussies these days, and and what I mean by that is like, for God's sakes, like we did the the tower drill, where all you had to do is fucking walk up six flights of stairs. Uh, consumption drill. The consumption mm-hmm. drill, and and it was like, go at your own pace, take your yeah, time, man. just walk up the stairs, walk back down, walk up the stairs, walk back down. And and then and I think Chief Devisser started putting some training things together and people were just like bitching about it. And it's the sad thing is it's the leadership that is complaining. It, it's the captains. It's the, you know, so so that's what makes it hard is is, you know, we've got to change the culture. And that's something that I know uh, at our station that we we take pride in doing. And the only way to change that culture is 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 you can you can only work on number one, you, right? So you gotta you gotta take, take responsibility start, for that. That's how you start. Yeah. But then for us, like like Randy will show uh, the guys the boat. Carl, I mean, shit, he'll talk their heads off. Everybody knows how Carl is, but he'll he'll sit there and Carl's our driver at the station. But he'll show them the boat, and and it could be a rookie, it could be a probationary firefighter. But why? Because like you had said earlier, what happens if you get that one call where this guy is at your station? And you said, you know, before you didn't, okay, you don't need to check out the boat because you're not here anyway. You take that approach to it. Well, now shit hits the fan and you got four other guys that aren't there and it's just you and that guy. But at least he's seen it before and he can somewhat help unhook the tra- or hook up the trailer, knows how to, you know, what the process is of starting the motor, like doing all those things. Right. So, you know, uh, I, I think it, it's, it's, it's a culture shift that happens and it's hard because our young guys come in and they're all of a sudden veterans for two years, right? Like two, three years. And they're doing the same shit. They're on the, they're, they're in their racks or they're, they're kicking their feet up at 10 o'clock in the morning, watching TV on their phones. Like, and, and our leadership really has to step up and like crack the whip, I think in that aspect. And, you know, until that happens, like it's, it's not going to change on a grander scale. It's, uh, you know? Staying when you on. say leadership, you're talking about, I mean, that, you gotta, that's a, you're talking about the officer in yeah, the station. Yeah, you're talking about the station. Absolutely. Because, you know, as, as a 
Actually, I can't be at every station. You no. know, and it's like I usually, you know, we call in the morning. But like, there's also plan, you no. know, you guys got something going on, or whatever. And normally, I mean, everybody like we're gonna do this, that, or the other, and and calls come in. I mean, you got other stuff. Hey, going but on. let's face it. There's also those those captains that we all know, uh, you know, need work, and have had issues, and you know, I don't see what goes on behind closed doors. But my thing is like. As a firefighter, if I do a shitty job over and over and over and over again, um, I mean, I would expect to get some kind of repercussion for it. And and so in that sense, like maybe the chief should step up and be like, hey, this station, like you guys are going to do this. You guys are going to, you know, uh, you guys are going to go out there and you're going to pull so, a hose today. And I mean, it's micromanaging to an extent. Yeah, I was saying you got to. So yeah. that. That makes it, it may sounds good, but you got to be real careful. At least I would be real careful because then you're going to have that chief in there overlooking every little thing. And eventually you're going to be like, hey, but maybe he needs my to hair be. for a minute. Let no, me run but, my station. Well, yeah, but maybe uh, there's captains that need to be like that. Right. I, I don't disagree. So with that. so that's what I'm saying, because I understand what Tony's saying as a chief where it's hard. Like you can't be everywhere. Like you're running around. You've got how many stations are you over? Five, right, five stations with seven captains. You know, and but, then you're doing all the administrative duties on top of that. And, and, and that's where, you know, you, you uh, the relationship that I have with the captains is kind of like, I, I, I'll know what's going on, what they've got going on. And, you know, for the most part, you know, people are busy. We're busy. Right? I mean, this is, that is, and that's sometimes an excuse too, is like, we're busy stations. Like, don't have time to train. It's like, we have to make that a priority. And it's hard to you, do sometimes, you know? I mean, and, and, and I know the, the, the stations that are in your battalion, but have you ever noticed that the busier a station is, the more they train? Oh, yeah. Yes. It's yeah. weird Absolutely. like that. Yeah. Like, Absolutely. Take you a know look why? at threes and fives you, and ones. And those are, time, yeah. You wrote a thing about it on your, earlier on, on, uh, the, on the uh, Instagram. Complacency. Yeah. Complacency, right? What happens? You get fat, you get happy, you know? What happens to most people when they get married? They're married. They don't have to impress their wives anymore. They stop working out. Thank they God. got women the same way, you know? I mean, they, they put on pounds and then they and then they get upset when somebody cheats because it's like, oh, well, I'm like, well, it's another episode. Hold <laughs> another, hold another. But, but what I'm getting at is it's that complacency yeah. of, of getting fat and happy and content with where you're at instead of always trying to strive harder. And I think there's a mindset that's out there and we call it the sexy stuff, right? We call it the sexy stuff where we're training on the sexy stuff. I call it the savior ass stuff, sure. right? Because God forbid that I'm in a stuck on a second story or a third story and I've never practiced that in 10 years and I don't know how to bail out, but I have the stuff on me to do so. Like, that and that's that's scary. I, I call it the stuff where it's like I can't get somebody out of the second story, you know, because the patient's three hundred pounds, all because I haven't practiced doing it. Like yeah. those are the things that to me are are we we can't say. And the reason I bring it up is because I've heard guys that have been in 30, 40 years say, I've been in 30, 40 years and I've never done that. I've never needed to do that. And I always say, Well, yeah, you know. Nobody ever thinks they're gonna need it until they fucking need it. Absolutely. You know? I've always said like things aren't important until they're important. Yeah. <laughs> when, oh, you're right. when the fire's looking at supply, your house. Supply is the prime example of that. Wait, like, so, no, that's not sexy. No, yeah, no. No one wants to do it. And it's like not people don't think it's important until no. we're how many times have you seen as instant commander or safety or whatever showing up on a scene where there's you've got 
four crews fighting to be four the attack. Because yeah. that's sexy. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And that's what I tell my guys. I'm like, if we get and or, or or the engine, like if we get assigned supply, yeah. You want to be a hero, gonna fucking, go get the supply. They're yeah. gonna need water. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, but so how many years you have in Rod? Uh, fifteen me. going on sixteen. So on sixteen twenty years. 20, yeah, right? 20 okay, so now I've got 18. And this, and this, I swear, falls into the realm of, of, of the training that we're talking about. But I've noticed a, and it is not just within our department or the fire service. It's, it's kind of like in the world and stuff, like a cultural change. Because we're talking about guys kicking their feet up at 10 a.m. I remember in my younger days, oh, that TV wasn't on between 8 and 5. Mm-hmm. Nope. It was, I was told that 8 and 5 is their time. Yep. Between five and eight is your time, and after yep. eight you can go to bed. Yep. Right. Yep. And it was there was not like. It well, was, also, you know, the cell phones have been a whole new because we know. came into the department before cell phones. Yeah, yeah that's, so that's smart a whole different. You know, yeah. now that's like. Yeah. Yeah. I don't need the TV on. I just watch my phone. I watch my phone all day. So that yeah. is something that, and I don't think it's just this, but like you said, like the fire. So I think every employer. Everything. Yeah, I think everyone's like, dealing you know, with it. You know, I go I go to a restaurant sometimes. And the waiter or whatever is like in the bathroom, like on like it's because they don't want to be on the phone, with it, but they're trying to send a text or whatever. Yeah, but it's like yeah. I bet every employer has, you know, that problem. And with us, you know, uh, we're not like it's pretty laid back, like during the day. You yeah. know, you know, not involved in something in that moment. I mean, yeah, I mean, you're yeah. on your phone or whatever. It's not a problem, right? Per se, but it becomes to where it's like that's what. And that's what I've even at my own station. That's what I've seen. And I'm at fault for it, and I try not to be, but we become reactive in our training, right? Like, everything's cool, everything's cool. You get this call, something fucked up. All right, we got to come back and train on it, right? That's reactive training. Yeah, it comes. And and you address the issue, but now you'll get another issue that pops up. And matter of fact, um, Captain Lopez called me yesterday. He's like, I got, you know, anyways, they were going to a fire. And uh, they were going out of their district, and he told his guys, he goes, hey, you need to switch to Violet Tower. Right. His tailboards turned to him, he's like, in a very, you know, yeah. kind of like whisper in his ear, like, I don't know I mean, how yeah. to I change mean, yeah. my yeah. radio. We recently went to a new system. On yeah. Radios, and you know, and uh, so he goes, well, you know what? He goes, we did it. And when we got back to the station, guess what we did? We trained on the radio. Right. Like, yeah. Get into the EMS channels. I mean, if you've never yeah, it, the yeah. hospital channels, like, yeah. They tell but me I have it. That's what I meant. Yeah. You know, the EMS one, you know, some the hospitals. The hospitals. Yeah, you better, every radio can get to it, but it's on a whole other You got to turn B this or other yeah. knob. So, yeah. yeah, being, you know, training, again, what is training? Training is everything, but there's there's reactive, there's being proactive. And but, there's so many topics. It's like, how do you know, yeah, you know mean, what to focus on, you know? So it is, it's, it's tough. And so we rely a lot on, like, as a battalion chief, like, I'm trying to be a facilitator, right? If a captain comes to me, it's like, hey, I want to get with these other crews and do you know, hookup drills, maybe it was a supply issue. It's like, yeah, let's facilitate that. Let's make that happen. But like as a captain, you know, if your firefighter comes to you and says, hey, we haven't done X, Y, Z in a while. I mean, that captain should be like, man, that's like, all right, let's do it. You yeah, know, that like go. he's saying there's a need for it. Like he recognizes it. Let's, let's do it. You know, let me let me do that for them. And I was... Do, do you as a battalion, and even you, Rod, but, but you specifically told me as a battalion chief, do you... And whether I don't even know if you can really answer this question as a battalion chief, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, you've got to know, like, man, without micromanaging, you've got to know, like, hey, 
man, I've, I've got crews that really need to work on this. So I always say this, like you size up your crews, like you size up a structure fire. Right. <laughs> or like a building, right? Yeah. I mean, it's like I have like some overachievers and then I have some guys that will get the job done, but it's going to be yeah. slower whatever. So I'm going to, I use that and I'm going to assign the ones that I know are going to get it done the way that we need to get it done. Okay. Um, to do that. Because that's I, the way it's done to, on the, you, you have the company to, level too. Because, you know, you sit here and you say, man, I have a guy that, a group that's like not super motivated and I need them to get in there and do something, you know, like pretty timely. Yeah. Like I, I'm setting myself up. For, I'm setting them up for failure. I'm setting myself up for Sure. It's like, it's not going to happen. And it, I mean, it sucks that it's that way. I mean, not everybody, it's like, Everybody's at a different level. Yeah. And so I think that's an advantage. So how do you, you have to use But it? how do you, you fix that? that? Right? So that brings so up that's another topic. That's what I like, ask. Do you because know? Then because that, that becomes where you're just ignoring the problem or you're trying to mitigate the, the, the I don't, problem. I don't think we'll ever get away from it because, you know, so we have minimum standards, right? Sure. And it's like, there's people that are at the minimum standards yeah. and there's always going to be people that are exceptional, you yeah. know? And so... What, what we have to be careful of is that I can't rely on the exceptional ones all the time and always give them all the, and that's what happens. It's like mm-hmm. the guys that get the job done, you know, they wind up like, I'm, I'm calling this crew and I'm calling this crew and I'm calling this crew. Right. And I don't want to wear them out, you know, for the rest of the shift. It's like, so on something that may not be as emergent, like I'll, I need to have this other crew. Oh, you yeah. guys are going to do overhaul. You guys are going to do, and I'm not saying that the mediocre crews always do overhaul, but I mean, Man. you see some of that stuff happen. Well, and, that, and we talked earlier about um, assigning Crews, everybody wants to, you know, get the hose line, be attacked, you know, be yeah. attacked. But I think that's where it's really command. As soon as they get there, they they really. I mean, I've been to plenty of fires where where they don't really say anything about you know where to position the ladder. Now I've been on the opposite end where where the ladder's coming and you hear on the radio leave leave room for the ladder in front of the structure, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And, and now you have a ladder crew that is able to do their job if needed. If needed. Sure. Because the command uh, took notice of that. And, and um, yeah, some of that is like the sequence of events. Because sometimes, like, man, everyone shows up. I'm coming to the scene and I got the food. Everybody. Full, you know, yeah. it's like the ladder's already there. They're already positioned. I'm not going to, you know, move it. But it, absolutely, like, if you can set it up, man, you want to set up, set yourself up for success. Yeah. You know, if you have those opportunities or wide streets, like, oh, man, beautiful. So, set this stuff stuff up right you know like in your station y'all are the boat rescues yes right rescue. and i'm sure that you have strong swimmers and not strong swimmers yeah i right? sink you so sink. the only reason well okay first of so, all we're boat rescue that we're means not we're not we don't jump in we're not navy seals bro okay so they didn't no. they didn't fucking well, drive around with a big net I, I, yes that's exactly we're body recovery and we will jump in with a floaty, so it's always fun to watch the the, the drill the, the drill of jumping back into the boat. Oh, that's, that's hilarious! I've done that. I can yeah. do that. That's okay. not a problem. But, but there's I'm just saying, yeah. there's yeah. some that can't, and I will tell you, like I am not Michael Phelps. Like yeah. God did not make me with you know I'm tall, lanky, but damn, I can't swim for shit. So my question to you is, then do you do you train on swimming? You know, honestly, that's a good question. Um, it's a good point. I don't. And, and it, it's probably one of those situations where, you know, we talk about worst case scenario, right? I'm probably depending on my equipment and the situation more than I should because my captain um, and, and driver, like we're not getting that water unless we have to. Like if we're getting the water, it's an extremely bad situation. But in the same sense, if I don't cut you off, 
you're not bailing out that window with the webbing. Exactly. That's what you're saying. So that's yeah. Yeah. it's a bad, bad situation. So so you're right. Like that's something, and that's something that you know. I, I try to pride myself on on being humble enough to acknowledge where I need to work and where my deficiencies are. And I, I think as as men, as people, most firefighters consider themselves alpha males, right? Um, we're running into structures that other people are running out of. Well, some of us are running and some people are falling down at the door. But either way, my point is you know, we often have that mindset of like, I'm right, I'm macho. I'm, no, you know what? There's times I'm I'm wrong. Uh, and one of the most recent occurrences of that, uh, I shouldn't say occurrences, but where it was kind of a, a reality check was we got this rookie, you know, really good guy, had five or six years experience somewhere else. Typically when you get rookies, they're not very experienced in training. They they go through the academy and they're green. Well, they're, they're relying like, on you to show And they're that. relying on you to show but flip the script guys flipped the script and, and and but I've been willing to be like, hey, show me that, bro. Like, show me how to do that. Because and I always compare it to jujitsu, and I think I was telling one of you on this earlier, but I say I will never discredit a technique or a movement somebody shows me just because of their belt. I don't care if it's your first day stepping on the mats and I see you do something that I've never seen before. Even though I've been doing jujitsu as long as I've been a firefighter, yeah. like I'm still gonna be like, hey, what was that? Because that's just gonna add more tools to my constantly learning. Constantly learning. You have to. So have I wanted to swim? Now I have a membership in the athletic club. Part of it is time, right? It, it does take a lot of time. It's easy to step out in my garage, it's easy to hit a workout. And mm -hmm. then part of it is I like lifting weights. Sure. So for me, it's more getting getting my body ready for um, the physicality of the job than necessarily those calls that we are going to be in water, you know, but it could happen. But going back to, well, and like, there's, we can what if every situation, but going back to training with like your crew, if that situation came in and you had all of your crew, and like Tony said, Randy probably wouldn't pick you to jump in the water. No. Right, because he knows his crew and he's like, Roger. Well, well I don't know, I, he has before. He's thrown my ass out there. And I don't know if it's because uh, he wanted to get somebody else, but, uh, no, no, I mean, yeah, definitely. Like he yeah. knows, he, he, you know, and, and, and it's funny that Tony said what he said about um, looking at his station, moving people as needed so that he could have the the best outcome uh, for that shift. But Randy does the same thing. Randy looks at the stations that we work with around sure. us and says, who's there today? Is it the normal captain? Is it the same driver? And he'll come and tell us, hey, dude, it's a shit show today. All of station 15 called in or all or station four, the driver and the captain's out. And so what does that tell us? Okay, if that we make a call with there. him, Thanks. <laughs> <Appreciate> <laughs> I'm just saying, or <laughs> somebody he, from he, another. I see him leaving one as far as like, I'm going to call them, give them a heads up about this or that. Oh, or yeah. yeah. Sure. But, I mean, that's what we need. I mean, yeah. that's good. Those we need to work. But how many times do people just keep their mouth shut, roll their eyes and bitch? Right? Well, like, oh, fuck. Look who's working with over here so, today. So, that, so you bring something up good. So, okay. So, it's like uh, you're acting. It's your first day acting or or you have all, no one from the station's there, right? So, how many times have we said, hey, we're going to get a burner today for sure oh, yeah. because of this Absolutely. scenario, right? Yeah. And it's like, those are the times where the conversation Roger was talking about earlier at, the, the, at roll call when we talk about who's doing what and how we're going to and what loads we have. Yeah. That's when those are so important. Oh, yeah. That's, that should be the red flag. If we're saying, hey, we're going to catch something today because of this yeah. reason or that reason, that's the time where you say, uh-oh, like, my hey, first, if we do get something, 
Yeah. Pull the pull Cleveland at number is. one because that has the Cleveland and that has the smoothbore and that's the one I want or whatever the case may whatever be. Whatever You know, whatever your scenario is. Well, and that and that's actually funny you say it because that happened. I had a little heart net with me. Uh, you know, uh, my my first fire that I had first on that I was acting. So go. it wasn't my first fire acting, but it was my first uh first direct day. attack you yeah. know fire yeah and Hart was with me yes it was probably it was his first fire sure. real fire of course but, that's how it always goes that's how but before that morning i said i always tell the guys because i've gotten there before um and not not at the station right now it happened years ago but i've gotten there and, and it's happened in different places different things but air packs got switched out but guess what they're not connected they're not connected so uh, stuff out. The, the, the hose line was out of whack or the smooth bore and i've asked i've asked rookies i said which nozzle are you gonna pull what do you uh what do you mean i said were well, you pulling the smooth bore or the fog which one do you want me? i said i don't care which one you pull which one are you comfortable you have pulling? a plan yeah but yeah. do you have a plan are you gonna pull and where's it at and which one do you ever know which one are talking and have you talked to the driver yeah, yeah. i mean it's stuff as simple as car, like carl when he checks out the the air packs He's like, which one are you taking? Where are you sitting? Like, he always wants to know because he has his routine. And if I do something to deviate from that routine, he wants to know. So he's not like, oh, shit, I thought this was going to be my air pack. And now it's this one. So, yeah, it's super important to do that. Um, And once again, I think that provides training opportunities. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, a hard part, I think, is when you don't have new people coming through on a regular basis to keep that training proficiency up. Yeah. Because then it's like so you, you get complacent. It's the same crew. The same. It's your guys. You know. Now, if you're fighting fire on a regular basis, it's different, right? Because you know you're 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 working. You're getting those skills in, those reps in. But like you guys were saying, like there's no there's no um, there's no substitute for experience, right? You can't. There's no it, it, firsthand real life experience. That's number one. Um, and so if you're not doing those, you need to be getting in the reps in some way, right? If you're not making the calls, then we got to be out there and we got to be doing the trainings. Like you said, where we're pulling the line. Now, it may be different uh, training um, scenarios that we're doing, focusing on different tasks every other day. Or have we done a buddy breathing? When's the last time you did buddy breathing? Or even donning your, your SCBA equipment. I mean, how many times have you seen people like, that have been in for extended amounts of time, like can't even get their equipment on. You know? I've seen a guy put it on backwards and clip in with the regulator between his legs. <laughs> was it me? Because I think I've done I've done some stupid like, shit before. He was but... turning his bottle on like right here. Oh my uh, god! Are you serious? I'm dead Whoa, serious. That is horrible. And uh, I mean, I'm sure that they've trained on that afterwards. Yeah. That's that. Well, you would hope so, right? I, I, you would hope I would. so. Yeah, he's he's still in the department somewhere. Yeah. Um, Again, you know, minimum standards. I mean, we got yeah. all. We but got but, but that's the thing is is like you just said, he's somewhere. He's there somewhere, and he's probably just floating by somewhere. And and it's hard, and it's demoralizing when you make an effort to be better, and you want your crew to be better. Because my crew, for me, they're gonna get somebody that is training that is trying to be the best version of itself they can be it does get frustrating if i'm working with somebody that's not giving me that same back sure because i'm like you know what bro you you go down and i can guarantee you that i'm going to have prepared the best of my ability to pull you out and have a successful outcome why are you not giving me that same back 
Yeah. You know what I mean? So it does get hard to deal with that, but you, you can't lose track of who you are and the, the standard that you hold for yourself. I think the problem is that we, we oftentimes lower our standard out of frustration or out of um, just being annoyed by a situation. I mean, I've seen, I've seen captains that used to, used to be like on it, on point, wanting to train. And then they had some tiff with administration and all of a sudden, fuck it. They're not going to listen to me anyway. Why am I going to even bother? Oh, right. That's a shame. You know, it sucks because when you have that captain who's willing to do all that, man, it's like worth so much, you know, it's like they're the ones that are leading the department, you know? And so We've, we said that, you know, there's no substitute for experience, but unfortunately, getting that experience, I mean, hell, you could be in years before you get, like, a first in fire, right. not, a fire period. Um, how, or whose responsibility, because I used to hear this all the time, and mostly from the old salties, right, is that, oh, man, you know, we don't have a training division, they don't do nothing. They don't train us. No one, you know, they don't give us any training. And, and, and so when it came to like doing those consumption drills, guys were like, oh, now they want to do this. They're setting us up for failure. They're trying to get me uh, now fit for duty. They're trying to get me to, to quit. And all, you know, you hear all this stuff. And in and, uh, and all honesty, they we're just, they're trying to provide something, some sort of training. Yeah. I don't think at any moment anybody woke up and be like, hey, you know what? We're going to do this drill. We're going to try and get rid of these five guys. Right. I don't think that happens, right? But so is it, in y'all's opinion, uh, is it is it the department as a whole's responsibility for training? Is it the battalion chiefs? Is it the station officers? Is it the senior guy? Like, where does it fall on? Is it just the individual himself? I remember many times, I, I swear, I'll never forget this, Randy Curtis, bless his heart, right? I was out there, I was new, and I was actually practicing stupid shit, like like donut rolls and throwing hoes, right? And yeah. he comes out there and with his crooked fingers, he was pointing at me, he goes, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm practicing throwing these hoses. He goes, what for? I was like, because I don't really know how to do it. Yeah. And he's like, get inside. Yeah. And I was like, oh, okay, okay, Captain, you just told me to get inside, you know? But in hindsight... Today I'm really shitty at throwing hoses, yeah. you know. But so, as I came up through the years, I was like, "Oh, is that like is that what we're supposed to be doing? Like we're not supposed to." Be. So I was always wondering, like, now as an officer, I take it on my responsibility to make sure that my crew trains. I don't really get into the whole. Well, is my battalion training? Is that other state? I don't. I'm very You're worried about your people. I got four walls yeah. and I can only control what goes on inside my four walls and that's all I can and do. And if everybody was doing that, then we wouldn't have any we wouldn't have have this discussion right now. Yeah. But I, mean, I guess that doesn't that, happen. Right. But so is it who's like who's responsible? I mean, I mean, I know the answer is like, well, ultimately it's the fire chief's responsibility sure. to make sure we're all trained. Yeah, no, I think that's bullshit. bullshit. Yeah. yeah. I think I think ultimately I tell I tell my students in class every day, if you're a competitor and you really want to get good at jujitsu and you're just depending on me to teach you, I don't care if you come four days a week. We offer classes Monday through Thursday. I don't care if you come four days a week. If you are just depending on me to gain knowledge and you're not going home and studying different athletes and the way they're doing techniques, and then that's on you. Yeah. Like you're, you're never going to progress. 
when I first started, you know, training jujitsu, like I would go home and I would literally train for two hours after I got off shift. And then I would go home and, and like watch videos, YouTube for like three or four hours and just study the different moves. And then I would go and practice those moves in the evening. I got my black belt in like five, five and a half years, which is extremely fast, but it's because of the time that I put in, not only on the mats, yeah. but in the training, uh, you know, in, in, in watching those videos. And I think that the biggest mistake anybody can do, and, and this is the shitty thing is, is I'm seeing it with the guys coming in. It's that, that minimum standard is lower and lower. When you're a firefighter and you're already overweight or you've gained weight after passing the physical, what the fuck does that say about you? Like, like seriously, what does that do say? We don't what, need to do it. What is that, yeah, what does that say about you? You literally lost weight just to pass a test. And once you pass the test, now you gained all the weight back. What kind of character does that show? Instead of continuing to improve, you met the, the standard and now you're below the standard. And unfortunately, that's the mindset that, that gets carried on. I know guys in our department that won't even change out at roll call. I mean, I had a, a shift change. They've been in 20-something years. They're vets. And they're walking around in chocolates and shorts, like waiting to get relieved. And I'm like, bro, you're still on the clock. Like, put on your fucking pants. Put on your shirt. I don't even care if you tuck it in, but at least wear it. You know, and, and it's just one of those things where I feel like, like, and, and the reason I bring all this up is because it goes back to personal accountability. And if everybody around you is going to suck, you better damn sure make sure you don't. Right. Sure. So like, if you've got a shitty crew where you're going in there and you're in that fire and you're going to have to watch your own ass as you're putting out the fire, then you better be on point. Right. So whether you have guys that are going to back you or not, it's your, it's your responsibility to yourself, to your family, to the public that we all took an oath to serve, right? Looking for opportunity. What is it? Seeking opportunities to serve. That's our motto. Then you, you can't put it off on a battalion chief. Yeah. You can't put it off on a chief. You can't even put it off on a captain. You have to do your own. I don't care how, you know, if you got to go out there by yourself and you know, tie knots or just pull out equipment and, and go over it. Like you have to do that on your own. Yeah. You I, know? Know, I know that like Tony said before, like there's minimum standards and, and unfortunately like the fire service in general, once you're in, you're, you're in. Yeah. And as long as you're meeting those minimum standards, like there's no people, I, I see, you know, they're just here for the check. And yeah. And, and there's really, and I'll just use you as an example. This is not you, but if you didn't want to do any of that extra training and you just did the minimum and you got by, there's nothing I can do as a captain, like no. really, to make you do anything. And, and that goes for every rank. Yeah. The time chief included. I could be, I could go show up to work, go and get relieve the other chief, go into the office, close the door, and I can sit there all the entire day. Yeah. Watch yeah. YouTube or whatever. Yep. Yep. A captain could go into the I'm studying for promotion. He can shut the door and he can just be it. And so and so it is, you know, that's why it's so important. Like in like we talk about this on every episode, I think anybody can be a leader. Like it doesn't matter. It's not a, it's not, not associated, it's not synonymous with, with rank. It's like 
anybody in that station, anybody in that battalion, anybody can say like, we should be working on X, Y, Z. Yeah. And, you know, you put it on, like uh, we are talking about earlier, if a firefighter comes to a captain and says, hey, I want, we haven't done this in a while, I think we should work on this. That captain should, should say, yeah. should facilitate that. If a captain comes to me and says, we need to, hey, we, uh, we keep messing up supply, like what are we going to do about it? We need to, well, we're going to do something about it, you know? And oh, yeah. That's, that's what we're but that, But that's the issue, right? Because a lot of times there's captains out there, how oh, we don't need to do that today. Or we'll, we'll do that next time. Or we'll, and they'll push it off. And so to anybody out there that's listening that that feels like they're in that position, man, stay in the fight. Like, yeah. like don't, don't, don't quit. Give up. Don't no. give up. Just focus on making your... Because I'll tell you what, eventually, if you have that mindset, it's the law of attraction. Other people with that mindset are going to want to be around you. Contagious. And it's contagious. Yeah. So yeah. if they're not catching on, I guarantee that captain or that driver or that those other firefighters that are there, like they're going to not probably want you there. And, and it's either going to get to a point where they're leaving and now you're getting new people in that you can impact, yeah. or you're going to, you know, step up and say, you know what, my time here is done and, and move somewhere and else. And I will say this and, and chief, you can chime in too, but as, as an officer, what's even more contagious than the positive attitude like that stand fight is the slug attitude like if you allow that if you allow that to fester it'll it'll spread like wildfire and well not to positive like negative so like negativity and then just slug one guy at a station's like that and then then all of a sudden this another guy is and then another and then before you know it the whole crew is like what happened to you guys i i tell i tell people all the time man um i i you know, I, I got into to church several years back and, and I've been off my, my my walk a little bit lately, but but I was on the ambulance burnt out and you know, downtown district, we had nothing but homeless calls, the synthetic calls were we were literally making like ten synthetic calls a shift on the ambulance. You start to to treat people different, you know, and, and you start to um Did you recognize it or Not until I went to church and I realized, like, I was convicted, and I was like, "Man, I'm over here." If one of your coworkers told you, would you have? Yes, yes, but the problem was, yes, yes, because I got to the point where I flipped it, and I was like, we had certain guys, you know, maybe talking a little loudly or disrespectful to people, and I'm like, "Hey, man, just yeah, like, leave it alone." I became that guy. But before that, I was on the opposite end. And I can understand, you know, like I said, I'm I'm an intimidating guy. The newer guys that didn't have that attitude. I even had one guy, David Franco was telling me, he was like, man, when I first rode with Roger, he's like, you've changed so much. He goes, I remember I was with you on a shift and you were just like, fuck this and blah, blah, blah. And like bitching. And I said, man, I, I don't remember being that ugly, but I do remember having like an epiphany. And it was like, these are all children of God. That was literally my my thing. It was like, no matter how horrible they are, no matter how bad the situation is, or or you know if they're disrespect, like they're still and they're, they're they still deserve that respect as a human being. Burnout, right? something that we could talk about forever. Oh yeah, I I've had lots of people come in like you were an asshole when you rode the box, and I was like, 
No, it wasn't. Uh, yeah, you were. And I and I didn't realize I was burned out until I was off of it. Were you? And I, I don't and think I, you were. I think you were an asshole just to like guys like me, but you weren't like an asshole to the public. <laughs> well, no, I wasn't. Uh, but I'm the, <laughs> it wasn't the public that was telling me I was an asshole. Yeah, it was other firemen. That's what yeah, I'm that was why I kind of brought it up. Like, would you? Would you? Would that be an accepting thing? Because for someone to tell you, it's like we all recognize it, you know, and especially like. We talked about another episode how we're together, we're family. And so you know when something's off with one of your coworkers. So it's like, I do encourage, like, if you think something's wrong, like, do, there are times to pry and like, hey, what's going on? I'm like, that's not you, yeah. you know? And, yeah. and because if that person recognizes that, for some people it might be faith, for some people it might be family, and they can, you know, fix those things, it'll translate to your work and Absolutely. everything else. Because I say this all the time too. Like I, every time that I've driven to work, I'm like excited, like happy to be there. When someone tells me like, "Oh man, I just really don't want to be here," that's like that's heartbreaking because like you're there for 24 hours. Like yeah. you got it's got to be a miserable feeling. And so if you're feeling that way about yourself, how are you treating the public and everything else? Yeah. Probably not the best. Yeah. And so you know it should be all of our goals. Just to- well, and and here here here's where we talk about the contagious mindset, right? And, and I just had this this thought because. Um, you, you talk about negativity being super, con- I think negativity is oftentimes more uh, contagious than positivity, sure, right? Yeah. People like to be negative. I mean, it's easy to do. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I would always tell Ashley, I said, man, I can go and write a fuck. And I, people that know me, like I write my Facebook posts and sometimes I, I, most of the time I write them just to talk shit, right? Just to get a reaction. Yeah, yeah. But when I write a positive post, it gets a quarter of a like sure. as when I'm on there talking shit, right? Like people laugh, people like it. All. It's just the way our, our human nature is. Like yeah. we're, we're, we like drama, it's, right? Yeah. But, but what I was getting at is, is, you know, uh, the other day we, we made a call or not made a call. We, we did a, uh, we had an acquired structure. And so we we're going to do training and we had a guy that was filling in for one of our guys from another shift. He was working a, a trade and, um, you know, uh, I would say I this guy wasn't the most excited about training, right? Um, Did he need it? Oh, he definitely needed it <laughs> for sure. He needed it. Um, you know, he's was one of those guys. He was he's on the ambulance and he's just upset. Everybody, yeah. you know, everybody called. Oh, fuck, why are they calling? Oh, and I'm like, man, it's like it's just job security, bro. Like, yeah. it's all good. Like, we'll go make this call and then it'll be over. Yeah. Like, so that's the flip mindset that i have now right but you know the what i was getting at is is we brought him to the training revolution or evolution we got him in and it was 100 and something degrees we were bunkered out we were practicing cutting a uh a door out of a window right and extricating somebody from the second floor we we practiced the whole he, he hadn't seen it the the laying somebody across sticking the arm through the leg the other hand resting on the head and guiding them down with the ladder using your you know uh, the ladder as as leverage and by the end of the train it's like man that was awesome that was cool like i've never seen that before but but why does it happen because we went into it with a positive attitude and instead of ignoring him and treating him like he was just a drag we include him. Hey, come, come, dude. Like, hey, your turn. Go, go break the window. And, you know, you'd be surprised how many people don't know how to, like, something as simple as, as breaking a window, start hitting the, the corners of the aluminum instead of cracking right down the middle where it's going to fold the ends in. 
right? I remember we did a training at uh, Casa de Manana when they were tearing it down. And we had guys that were going to town and trying to hit the aluminum. They had broken the glass oh, and they yeah. could not get the aluminum. Yeah. And we just hit the middle, yeah. hit the middle. And, and after that, you know, it's easy. But it's one of those things where we're doing those things, being positive in that way, really allowed him to see like, man, I didn't realize how easy it was to cut a, cut a, a make a, a door from the window. Yeah. Like, you know, instead of trying, if you got a 300 pound patient, instead of drag, just get a chainsaw, you do it in less than 30 seconds, yeah, you know? Absolutely. So it, it's just doing those things and um, not allowing yourself to, you know, you, you got to hold your own standard. You got to, no matter what, and actually we treat, we teach our kids that, right? Like, don't worry about what anybody says. Like, you what try to you? be. What about you? You try to be the best you can be, and and you know don't let anybody else influence how how you feel. Yeah. You know, um, it's the same thing with what we do. If you walk in, I don't care. Now, you may not have everybody on board, but I guarantee, if you sit down in that living room instead of turning on the TV and putting on uh, a TV show, if you put on YouTube and you have um, Mayday calls on there you know, live Mayday calls or um, like we were talking about scene size of like people will start trickling in, yeah. you know, um, we, we started walking at work, you know, we started walking at first. It was just me and one other guy. And then and he, you know, uh, it was me and Rick, Rick Rodriguez. He's 40 years in, you know, he's 60 years old, 61 years old. And we said, after dinner, we're going to walk for 30 minutes. And we, so I started walking with him and then next thing you know, Veronica joined and then Carl joined and Sawyer and then, I won't leave out the last one that has it. Almost. We got one more that we're, we're I'm chipping away on. But I don't know if I'm going to have any success. I've been working but 12 years. And it's interesting because so. I had a conversation with this guy that works in Belverde uh, up in San Antonio. And he said that's how he gets guys to buy in. And it's not by force, like, you know, because that doesn't work. It won't work. It was like, you know, you start with training and they pay attention. Like, hey, you know. Come just do that. And you, you, you inch them in. And before you know Ask it. Ask for input. Yeah. Hey, what, do you, what do you think about that? Yeah. And before you know it, they're giving you your input. And he goes, that's how we get buy-in, even from the old salties. So that's the same process that, that you were talking about there. The only other thing that I have written down that I want to talk about, and it's good that y'all are here because it kind of relates to fitness and jujitsu and all this, because I was reading this article about training and, and, Fire, not so much, I guess, but maybe EMS too. It goes into both of them. That when when our heart rate goes up, like when you're in, when you're fighting or when you're doing a uh, you know real hard workout, mm-hmm. our fine motor skills tend to wane, right? After a certain heart rate over whatever, it's scientific that you start losing fine motor skills. How is there a way for us as firefighters? Because we do some stuff with loss of dexterity, loss of vision, loss of hearing, and then we're losing our fine motor skills. How do we incorporate that? Is there a way for us to incorporate that into our training? Or is it maybe we're just, you do it through working out, stuff like that, you know? Because when I read it, it was by this Lieutenant Colonel. I mean, he had it broken down. It's like, you lose 80% at this and 70 at this heart rate. And I was like, I've never seen that before. But I do remember being excited. We were talking about people that like, get excited and start yelling and screaming. And yeah, you see that. You, you see that. You're like, oh, the stress. They get turned up. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, okay, so how can we incorporate that 
into some of our training? Is there any ways that you guys can think of? I mean, I don't have the answer. You know, you know, I don't don't know so much as training, but you know, just uh, recognizing it. I know that when I would feel myself, like you'll feel your heart rate, like we're, you know, I'm going to do an assignment or whatever it is. And I can feel myself, you know, um, and the same thing too, as an officer was like talking on the radio. Like you don't want to scream on the radio. They're not going to go to understand you. Communication is so important. Every interaction you've ever been to, have you ever not heard communication, communication. as one of the factors that we <laughs> work on always, every time, yeah. right? So, you know, thinking about what you're going to say before you say it, you know, take a deep breath but, and just breathing, man. Just being able to like calm yourself down, bring that heart rate down. And, you know, I'm, I'm not in jujitsu, but I, being com- comfortable, and you've talked about it so many times, being comfortable, being uncomfortable, yeah. being comfortable in uncomfortable situations. This is what it is, right? If you can recognize it, Calm yourself down, whatever that is for you. Yeah. Breathing exercise, whatever that is for you, you will function better if you can think and you can breathe. It's funny and that so, you say because that's that was the lieutenant colonel. That was his response was was breathing techniques. It's like a four in, seven out or something. Sure, yeah. And I'm like, that sounds great, but when I'm in Just my mask, heart rate down. yeah, that's but this is what you're trying to do. Sure, and so that you, I guess you get the oxygen to the brain. I, yeah. I don't know, but is related to jujitsu. I'm sure you. Have yeah, I, I tell I tell people all the time, jujitsu is exactly that. That's why it's funny how closely related firefighting and jujitsu is. Number one, you got to be a problem solver, whether you're a medic or a firefighter. And in jujitsu, that's exactly what we're gonna do. I mean, if we're in a bad situation, I got to figure out how to get out, and I can't spaz. I can't freak out because if I freak out, I leave openings where I'm just gonna get. It's like you're in a quicksand, you know. And if somebody puts me in a bad position. And I just start spazzing out, then I'm going to be in a worse position. Then I'm going to get in a deeper choke or I'm going to get into a deeper arm lock. So, you know, Tony, you know, he said it, like I always say, it's about being uncomfortable, being comfortable in uncomfortable situations. There's nothing comfortable about somebody fully mounting you and smothering you to where you can't breathe. And I see it all the time. I get people in there and I'll literally smother tap them to where they're just, panic and they get anxiety and they feel like they can't breathe and all they got to do is turn a little bit and there's their space to breathe you know and i'm not even trying to choke them i'm just literally have my chest on them and i'm just heavy right um with what we do it's unique in the sense where you know you experience that but oftentimes when you experience that it's in the heat of Mm -hmm. it's in the battle Mm -hmm. it's in the fight um, the only way, and I do think that there are ways that you can train personally. I know, um, we do a lot of drills. Unfortunately, we don't have all the resources like, so like us, right. At our station, I would love to do drills where we get on air and actually do the mayday drill and actually do the down firefighter drill on air, but we only carry our air bottles so plus bottles. one extra, right. right? right. So you know, now when I was at ones, we had the luxury of having light and air there. So what I would do was I would put my, my mask on and I would do stairs. Yeah. And sometimes I would run them. Right. Sometimes I would walk them. Um, sometimes I do them without my air pack on. Sometimes I do them in, or I'm sorry, without my bunkers on. Sometimes I do them fully bunkered. But my point was whenever I heard that, I didn't want to freak out. Yeah. Right. And so I had to get used to it because if I'm in a fire and I'm like, and I'm hearing that and I'm attacking the fire and I got to get out now, I, I need to realize, okay, how much I, I still got time. That's like, that's how we did it. I still got time. Right. Exactly. So I would, I would, I would do that on my own. 
And I got to a point where I would suck my mask all the way down. So you can feel it, right? It just gives you less and less. And then I would get to the point where right before I would sit, I would sit there probably the last couple minutes and I just sit on the end of the stairs and focus on skip breathing. And then the mask would get, you know, yeah. I, the, the, the air would get lower and lower. And then finally, when it was totally gone, I'd just be able to pop the regulator off and, and take the mask off, right? So that's one way that I would do it. Sure. Uh, another thing that you could do uh, that I've done before at the station is tying your knots um, while your heart rate's up. So get on the rower, um, do kettlebells. You know, uh, one of the things that I would do is I would do kettlebell swings. Mm -hmm. I do like five snatches on each side, or I do 15 kettlebell swings, explosive, boom, boom, 15. And then, try and then I would thing. I would tie a rope uh, around an object. So you're stressing yourself. So yeah. I'm stressing yeah. myself out yeah. and I'm getting myself used to that. Um, other things is, is doing movements in your bunker gear, you know, we talked about it earlier, but ultimately that's what it is. Um, you know, the 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 heat is real. Yeah. It, it gets your heart rate going just by being in that bunker gear, and then you add a mask, and now you're you're breathing through that that SCBA. Um, it's definitely a psychological thing for some people. So instead of being in the fire and feeling that for the first time, I you know would say do that. It, outside you know it man it, i i think it took me years to finally feel comfortable in bunker gear like you can do everything when you know in your class b or whatever but then when you put your like i remember like feeling uncomfortable i was like this is yeah. you know it's bulky especially when they're new and you're new and you're new and it's stiff and you haven't washed it you know 25 times mm -hmm. it's not you know i used to Matt Wood used to have this bunker coat that I was like, I don't even think that protection for me. <laughs> that's fire. Right? Yeah, I was like, that's not even a brush coat, man. But, but it does take time to get adjusted to your to your bunker gear. But those are great ideas. That's what I was wondering is like, are there yeah. things that you can do? Yeah, there's and then definitely different, obviously different things, things outside of work, right? Just like like you said, rolling, jujitsu, working out, getting your heart rate up, and and then being comfortable being uncomfortable in whatever situation I, being I tell you. people even doing something like the sauna like sit in the sauna for like 30 minutes oh, yeah. like you're not gonna die you're it's not gonna die but it's a challenge oh yeah just breathing in there just, just breathing. and so when you start to feel that don't quit don't give up just like slow your breathing down take your deep breath like control yourself because in the end it's it's we're, our bodies our mind are so strong but they're also so lethal in the sense of if, if you train your mind to stay calm and do, your body can do amazing things, on the opposite end, your mind can play tricks on you, right? What is anxiety? How many times have you made anxiety calls and you tell the people they're not going to do anything for you at the emergency room? Like it's in your head. Like I, you I never have said to, that to anyone. You I have always, to, oh, I, I tell them all the time. I say, why did you call 911? <laughs> this is stupid. <laughs> no, but in reality, it's like, that's what we tell, like I tell them a lot, like, you know, because the nurses tell me the same thing. Like, there's nothing we can do. We're just going to monitor. Yeah. And so I try to talk them down. And I, time after time, now there's people that just want to go. You take them. Yeah. Yeah. But there's also those people that you can talk down. Okay, I feel better now. You talk, okay, Without we'll that see. training, like, the mind's going to quit before the body. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So training. so definitely, you know, that's... Well, that's all I got for today, man. I mean, that was... I think good, we covered man. a bunch of training stuff. And what's cool is we, we gave some examples of how you can incorporate some of this training to begin comfortable being uncomfortable and knowing that the responsibility doesn't rely on anyone besides yourself. Yeah. I think that's what we came down to. I mean, absolutely. You can, 
you can look to someone else, but ultimately it's up to you to want that training. Go find it, ask for it. And if you're not getting it, you know, don't give up. Else. Yeah, don't give up. Yeah, go ask, keep, keep ask more people. Um, with, with technology these days, man, there's no reason why, like I said, you can't get on YouTube and look up the different types of training. Yeah. And that's one thing we're doing at Charter's Line uh, is that's why we're trying to put those things out. Just to, not necessarily to teach people and, and get them to learn right away from it but just to put it out there and, and give them different ideas oh yeah and start those you know, conversations just start, start the conversations, the conversations. That's, that's, that's a big thing that goes a long thing. way it's it's an amazing time right now man the fire service i think is heading in a really cool direction um and i hope that when you say 15 years 13 something, 15 15 20 18 we're we're, we're on the downside of, yeah. of it so hopefully there's others beyond us that, that that keep it going and so that's the whole thing too has always been a fear of mine right so like i don't ever want to be in a position to where i feel like i'm tip of the spear but i'm really like way back there yeah and everyone yeah. else knows it you know so it's <laughs> like you have to do everything the constant student being a reader yeah. like researching stuff you have to just continue to like train and be at that tip of the spear because it'll pass you by and you not know it i i used to this guy used to tell me this all the time when he'd come in, but I, and I feel like this today, but I I still feel like a rookie. Yeah, you know, oh, 18, yeah. I still feel yeah. like I've got so much to learn and so much to teach, but like every day I go to the station, I'm like, well, I got to learn this today. And, and not in a bad way. I'm like, that's student. awesome. Be, be a student. Trade, you know, I never want to be the smartest person in the room, but I don't want to be the dumbest either. You oh, know, absolutely. so I don't want to be that guy, but. Well, like I said, that's that's all I have for today, man. I appreciate you guys. No, man. First of all, kicking my ass outside first. Yeah, that's that's good stuff, man. Thank you. Awesome. Well, we will uh, the kitchen table. See you guys next week. We'll probably do another one. I know uh, on on training in the next couple weeks. Um, I think I gotta. I promise that we'll do the a talk on at least on the kitchen table. We're gonna do on the senior man. So that's gonna awesome. be Are you the senior man out there at your station? Hell no, man! It, it was Rick, 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 Ricky Rod. He's yeah, the senior man of the whole. <laughs> that's a whole yeah. other senior. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's a whole other level <laughs> yeah. of senior. Well, that's good, man. But that's what we're, that's what we've got coming up next week. So awesome, man! Looking forward to hearing it. All right. Well, I appreciate it. All right, that's it, man. Sounds good. Cool. Thanks, Lonnie. Yeah.